morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our second uh, practice with Clara Morning Gathering. I'm Stephanie, I'm here with Clara. Uh, we're building off our conversation yesterday where we began talking about a uh, little bit of dialogue around what's going on uh, considering current events. And today's discussion is on illusion. A little bit of background. Claire and I theme our content each week. We create uh, blog content, the newsletter. Claire creates videos. You can visit her Instagram LinkedIn profile to see and get more access to this content so you can be a little bit more involved in what the discussion is each uh, week. So to begin today, I thought we'd go into a little bit about what illusion means and specifically illusion in terms of Maya through the Hindu philosophy. Claire, if you can give us a bit of background on what illusion is and specifically in terms of Maya and Avidya, where it comes from. So uh, Maya is a big, is a big word in, in not only uh, yoga philosophy, but Indian philosophy and also Buddhist philosophy. And generally it's translated as illusion or that the veil that is not the veil that is uh, kind of withholding the truth from us or not allowing us to see it. But I, uh, as a geek that I am, I've found two really great uh, de definitions of it. One of them is the classic variation of it. And then another one is, is kind of uh, Vivekananda, who is a Benantic philosopher, uh, his bent on it. So I thought I would kind of share both as a, as a, a, a starting point. And so the American Institute of the Vedic Studies, this is where I got the first one, says, there are two levels of Maya in this world. The first is the Maya of the world of nature which holds a wealth of beauty and grace behind the appearances of various landscapes, especially where we live today in Vancouver and the day that we're having, right? The magic of the mountains, the rivers, the ocean, the sky and stars. Nature is Maya of beauty and wonder, uh, intimating a deep and cosmic reality. And so that's the one that I feel like we don't generally talk about, which is, yeah. that, which is like a positive note on, on Maya. And this Maya of nature can help us develop spiritually once we learn to decode its symbols and subtle processes and learn how to meditate deeply upon this nature. The second and more difficult level of Maya is the Maya of the human world, which contains various hidden influences, control mechanisms, and power games behind the social, economic, and political, intellectual, religious, and spiritual influences that make up our social order. So it's the one that we generally talk about. It's the one that's kind of like a bit heavier and it's like, it, it's the one with the negative bent. The Maya of nature is not hard to deal with, but we prefer to ignore it because it requires a greater effort to probe behind nature's mysteries, the mysteries of also humans. It is the Maya of our human world that is our main preoccupation. It's our challenge. It can be fascinating and it can be a problem depending upon our relationship to it. In our social interactions, as we all know, there is much posturing, there's role-playing, pretending, or even outright deception. Mm -hmm. Those who are gullible and naive often find themselves taken advantage of, and this is, again, the kind of definition of Maya that we generally think of when we think of illusion. So it's beautiful. what I love about Indian philosophy is that it can be this and that, it's not this or that. So there, the positive part of it is, is uh, the beauty that we see in the world. Right. And then the negative part of that is is um, specifically how they're talking about it in terms of uh, humans is like the control mechanism, the power play, like the nuances, the the layers of behavior that we have to sift through, not only in our own lives, but in in the in our interactions with the world. 
So I thought that was very interesting. And I think actually I'm going to leave it there and not even get into Vivekananda quite yet because I feel like we can really unpack this one. Yeah. And then if we get to Vivekananda, great. And if not, then it'll be for another day or maybe I'll just share the I'll share the quote on uh, on Instagram later. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, I think we can really speak to both of the the ways you're describing Maya. I think there is space for both in this discussion. Um, especially in terms of beauty. I think we do need to, to give a little bit of that to people right now. <laughs> yes. And so remembering right. that even though, so kind of, uh, I, I feel like let's give a little bit of context of like why we had already, so Steph and I uh, have been working together for a couple of months and uh, creating a lot of content together and having a lot of fun. And we sat down in January and came up with all these themes for, for the next coming months. And we did switch one of our weeks, but illusion, I feel like is a really big one for us to talk about right now, because just in terms of current events and the news and the media and how much information we're getting on all uh, on all platforms, it's hard to kind of sift through what is Maya and what is real. And so I was curious in terms of staff, like kind of putting it to you, like, what do you, how are you kind of coping with the Maya that is, that is going on right now? <laughs> well, like I said yesterday, um, I feel like I created my own state of illusion in the 300 hour in that I perceived our uh, experience together as a safe contained space. Like mm -hmm. we weren't really um, susceptible to what was going on. So that was my own kind of coming when you canceled it, coming out of it, being aware of, oh, there are a lot of things that are going on right now that do need our attention that I created a state of illusion around. That's my read on what happened. Um, right now, how am I coping with or how are you sifting through, like, one of the biggest conversations, and we're, we're going to kind of get there, is, like, trying to figure out what is true yep. and what is not true. Yep. And generally, Maya is the, is the state of illusion or the veil that kind of masks that, masks the truth. So it's, like, how do we, like, how are you maneuvering between the two? I'm taking in what is being presented on the news. I think it's important to have an eye on um, what is going up on the World Health Organization website and tapping into global conversations around the world and in Canada. But I'm not buying into um, some of the dialogues that are presented. And my way of coping is just kind of I guess self-isolating, but sitting with myself and just kind of recognizing where the fear is coming from. Mm -hmm. And if it's a fear that I'm creating by going into the worst possible area, like yeah. all the what ifs where you start playing out, like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Those are all assumptions and trying to anticipate, like I said uh, earlier, there are no solutions being presented right now. We're all kind of in a state of limbo. There are a lot of people seeking answers to things that the question hasn't even been poised, I feel. So just uh, honoring that we don't have all the pieces of information and being patient, I guess, is how I'm staying away from creating illusion for myself, is not being assumptive and not... Um, you know, buying into the stories that people are presenting. I have a lot of people in my life who um, 
certain things I say, I'm like, we don't, we don't know that yet. There hasn't been, we don't know that that's going to happen, that this is going to shut down or we're going to be out of jobs or, you know, that EI won't be presented or whatever have you. There's a lot of what ifs. And I think part of the honoring illusion is not going down that rabbit hole where you're like going in cycles of your mind because it's just accepting the unknown, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard. We like answers. We like, right? Knowing all the things when right now we don't know a lot of things. And this is bigger in terms of, you know, the spread of what's going on in COVID, but also on a individual level of job security, especially in our industry, like a lot of unknowns. Yeah. 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 And what a great, in the same breath, I feel like it's bringing it's bringing forth one of the biggest questions is not the right word, but one of the biggest, um, yeah, one, I would say one of the biggest questions that we as yogis or people on the spiritual path are asking ourselves because you brought it up perfectly. We don't have control and we actually generally don't have control most of the time, but what's really being shown right now is that we, (laughs) it's like so uh, blatant right now. Like we, there's, we, we have no control, like we're being asked to, you know, do particular things in order to help bring down, you know, the, the spread of this virus. But at the, at the heart of it, it's like, we just have to sit and wait. Yep. And so it's, it's funny, because you're talking about it's the illusion of control, right? <laughs> Which is so funny, all the complexities. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And I think part of this and also as yogis in the the questioning in our practice is uh, honoring the shift and moving through the shadow. And there's a quote in the blog post this week that is up um, where it goes into the idea of you move through the muck and you go through kind of the darkness and then what's released on the other side, uh, the truth is revealed. So kind of turning onto the other concept of Maya that you presented is when we sit with these uncertainties perhaps and we go through the process um and not necessarily reacting right is this idea of being patient in observing the the for me like the anger that arose and then the fear that came after that and then the sadness as i was like wow all these people are affected um not just with the sickness, but again, like job security, like it's a reality. And um, I have a couple friends who are pregnant, as are you, who are like, this is, this is a really weird time to be carrying a little being in my body. I'm scared. And, you know, the ripple effect. But, and it's, to me, there is a thread of opportunity and beauty in that we're all kind of challenging what has been going on, sitting with it, and maybe we can create something new, moving through the shadow, which I feel kind of goes into the first quote you read around the beauty of Maya and being in the world and living in this reality that we share. Maybe that's my interpretation. It's all up for interpretation. All up, and, it, and I feel like it's a, it's a different feeling hour by hour. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I feel great now because it's sunny. I feel like we're like you're sitting in a sunbeam. It like feels very blessed. Yes. When it starts raining, I mean, my my mood might just go as yeah. it does. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And so I uh, just kind of building on what you're what you're talking about is this, at least for me, this uh, and what I've been doing in the last couple of days is sitting with so many strong emotions that have come up and what to do around them. Yep. And the biggest thing, and we already know this, is to not do anything but quite simply observe them. So I feel like the same as you, I've been kind of on a roller coaster of very strong emotions where there's points where it's like, where, you know, like I'm kind of coming down really hard and I'm like, oh my God, like what's going to happen, especially because I am pregnant and I feel, uh, I feel responsible for a being that's not here or and not that they're not here, but that they are helpless is not the right word because I'm, 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 I'm holding them in my body and taking care of them. But in the same breath, it's, uh, it's scary because I feel, I was just talking about it with, uh, with Alejandro, my husband yesterday is that I feel like it's a helpless being and I need, I have double the responsibility to really take care of myself so that this little, this little being is able to um, survive. And I don't, I don't mean that in, and like a yeah to survive so I just I feel like I'm like I, I feel like double the pressure where generally I I, I don't feel, I feel like we're gonna we're gonna get through this and and we're gonna be okay but there definitely has been like an added pressure I find actually this week that I'm like oh my god like I need to be much more conscientious of like where I'm going and who I'm talking to and what am I touching and and that is not in my nature generally I'm very um, go with the flow and I feel like I trust and if I'm supposed to get sick I'll get sick and you know I do the best that I can but right now I I I, I do have a lot more nervousness about uh, being affected by this and I, and I yeah no go ahead go, no go ahead <laughs> I was just gonna say like that that's maybe a good segue into um like a because there's the physical aspect of touching, right? That that's, but it's also mental. And I, especially if you're pregnant, your internal state is what your baby is, is feeling. Yeah. So, you know, making space for reflection, meditation, breathing, all of these things that calm our nervous system down, bring us like a state of quiet, that especially that you're feeding baby, right? That you're not in this frantic state of angst. And then that's going this current, right? You don't, you don't want to necessarily give that to the baby or anyone that you're with. And that's something that was, well, that's one of the reasons I wanted to keep the training going because it it feeds my soul so much. (laughs) Like chanting every day with a group of people. I feel like the babe really loves that. (laughs) And so let's talk a little bit then about uh, and give listeners, because uh, we had the privilege of being in the room and getting to practice together like that. And there are a lot of uh, opportunities online, especially with uh, your your website, which again is in Clara's Instagram profile, um, to develop meditation, pranayam, reflection, all those kind of uh, points of awareness and we discussed it this week in the newsletter and blog. So uh, in terms of crown chakra, higher states of consciousness, and then linking this back to Maya, how bringing yourself into this place moves you through the, 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 the illusion into a quote unquote higher truth. I use that word in the post. Um, so I kind of dropped a lot on you here, Clara, but pick what you want and unpack a little bit. <laughs> crown chakra consciousness like what 
what are we talking about? Well, I think, I, I mean, the, the, my favorite thing to talk about, which is uh, where, and we kind of discussed it a bit as we were editing the, uh, the piece together is, is this idea of truth. Yeah. And um, there's like capital T truth, you know, like implicit truth. And that was something that you and I, like I got you to kind of define a bit more what is implicit truth versus like, what is my truth? And then my, how Maya plays into that is, how do we know that it's illusion or how do we know that it's, it's, it's created versus it is a truth or it is my truth. Yeah. And I think that that is like, again, it kind of coming back to like what's happening in the world right now and sifting through like, what is really true? What is fear-based? You know, what am I creating? Yeah. And so um, what I find most interesting about that is like sifting through and like when the emotions are strong, you're at least for me, I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to figure out what is true in this moment. Like I always ask my question, like who's driving the bus, right? Yeah. Is my emotion driving the bus right now? Am I driving the bus? Like what's happening? And so when my emotion is driving the bus, like when I was, especially like yesterday, I was having some pretty intense um, panic around around the safety of our, of our babies, like, is this really, is this a, a real fear? Like, is this fear, my fear, right? Is this valid to be feeling this? Should I be giving more energy to this or should I be stepping away? Yeah. And that is such an interesting, it's so such then, an interesting dynamic. So then, okay, talk about that. Then how yeah. do you, like, what is your, talk about that entire, so if you went through this yesterday, yeah, what did you end up doing? Because I think even like listening to you, I'm like, how do you assess where to where to go on that? Like how to pull out of a situation versus like, no, this needs my immediate deten attention. The work that I generally try to do around my intense emotions, because I feel I feel very intensely is to to try not to actually do anything in that moment. Yep. And just to quite simply feel it. And so a lot of what I did yesterday was just feel a lot of fear and, and do nothing about it. Like I was like, I'm not going to freak out. Like I'm not going to make a, a big decision about anything. I'm just going to breathe and feel this and allow it to, because uh, I find that if I don't do anything and I allow the fear to just kind of ruminate inside of me and I just quite simply breathe, I get to a place uh, where uh, where the tr a truth starts to come out of it, because at least in the tantric philosophy, right, all strong emotions are signs, are indications yeah. that your body, your truth, right, your instinct is trying to tell you something, and you haven't been listening, so then they're putting up bigger signs. They're like, boop, 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 you know, this is <laughs> happening, right? Pay attention! And what tends to happen, at least uh, has happened for me before I got this, before I started working on this path is like, I just ran with it. So, you know, the decisions I would have made yesterday, if it, this was like 15 years ago is like, I'm locking everything up. I am buying all the peril that there is, right? I am not leaving my bedroom, right? Every time I come into the house, I'm cleaning absolutely everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I've gone there, I've gone there, I've done it. There are a lot of people doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, like I have so much compassion for a how much strong emotion is happening right now. And so to the best of my ability, I've known that that does not help me in the long run. So I just need to sit with it. So I was kind of like, I feel like yesterday and my husband was kind of feeling like I was like kind of like a, a simmering, I was a simmering pot 
you know, and I was just trying to kind of maneuver through like, what, what's really going on here? Yeah. And, you know, what I came to last night is this, this weight, this responsibility of this being inside of me. And like, I need to make, I need to think about the decisions that I make a little bit more. There's a little bit more weight than there ever has been. And so that was a very interesting place for me to both, come to. But it took me like 12 hours to get there. Like I did not get there in 20 minutes. You know what I mean? So sometimes you're like, okay, I'm holding on. Don't know where this ride's going, but I'm holding on and I'm, I'm going to trust that I'll get there to the best of my ability, you know? So, so that's the way that I kind of, that's the long answer. And, and generally it ha it doesn't take me that long anymore, but I think just with where we are and kind of yeah, being pregnant, I feel like there's a lot more hormones moving through me. There's a lot more. Let's just say a lot more. I'm not going to blame it on hormones. There's a lot more of just everything. And so I, yeah, I just, just got to go for the ride. So I like, um, you brought something up and it was a question that was, it relates to a question that someone wrote in around how do we honor our truth and what we're standing in? as well as the truths of others, which may be different from our own and how we're acting, reacting to uh, the world evolving around us. So how do we move from a place of compassion and non-judgment so we don't build more walls of separation? Because that's one of the things that Maya illusion can do is it separates us from each other, from the truth within ourselves and the truths as a collective. Yeah, this is, what a great question. Yeah. I'm like, man, do you have four hours? But um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, th I think that the, this is a, this is such a telling question right now, because the array and like we saw it in our training, like, you know, there are 14 people having very 14 very different experiences oh. of what was happening. Oh. And it was really interesting for us to kind of chat and be together around that. And so I, um, in regular life as well as now is like to always remember that I don't know your story. Totally. I don't know what you're walking in with. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what your childhood was like. I don't know anything. And so to the best of my ability, trying to move from that place whenever I interact with anybody and especially in a time like now, is to be to the, to the best of my ability to not judge because I have no idea. I have no idea what you're going through. And, you know, um, it was interesting because one of the people in our group had been in, in another and it had been in a, uh, in a disaster, a natural disaster. And this was kind of bringing it up yeah. for this person. And that was interesting because yesterday, what came up for me is 9-11. And I, I realized I hadn't felt that kind of fear since 9-11 since then which was you know 20 years ago or like 19 years ago and the the idea of the uncertainty of what of what the next day holds and this is a very different uh situation than 9-11 but there is all this uncertainty kind of moving through so one of the things that i'm tr to the best of my ability when i'm interacting with anybody and like yes you know there was i've heard of people who literally like put rubbing alcohol all over their whole entire body when they step into the house and do all that and it's like Extreme. You know, what, what, yeah, whatever, whatever you need right now in order to feel 
grounded and if it feels like it's ultimately serving you like who am I to judge whether or not it's a good idea for you so the biggest thing that I can do is connect to what it what works for me and and stay true to that and then to give as much love and and compassion as you said and patience towards everybody else and what they're going through because again we have no idea what what came before so I can't to the best of my ability I can't judge anybody about any of this because we don't know it's more of I don't know (laughs) we don't know anything let's just all accept that (laughs) and I don't know your your nose and I don't know I don't know what happened for you so if you if I the only question I would ask to anybody who's like going through what they're going through is like is what your the choices that you're making is that serving your greater good and if it is then hallelujah like I want more power to you yeah and if it's not then maybe this is an opportune moment because we do have ideally so much time right now to reflect on like how do I feed myself like how do I take care of myself this is uh again great segue into uh another part I wanted to get into that is unpacked through uh the content we shared this week So one of the ways to access a more of a reflection mind is meditating and meditating stimulates and strengthens the neocortex, which is the seat of our um, uh, empathy and the imagination and our rational judgment. And in kind of responding to the question and everything, Claire, that you've said is when we go into a meditative state and we enter a more uh, higher mind, let's say, where we can empathize and put ourselves in someone else's shoes, that's where we discover uh, the, non, the non-judgment. So we're yeah. able to be like, okay, you are not like me, but I can relate to your experience by imagining putting myself in your shoes. Um, and this is where I love the imagination and what storytelling gives us because it gives you access to uh, conflict and characters that maybe we don't directly experience, but you can say, okay, I, I can hold space for this. It happened to you. It didn't happen to me, but I can relate through your, your story if you choose to share it with me or not. Um, and then coming round is developing. And I mean, our, our activities are limited but developing this seat of reflection and meditating, journaling, going for a slow walk, if you can outside and being in nature to come into that space where there is compassion, there is non-judgment and you can accept the fear of the unknown. Um, And one of the things I'll share with our listeners, uh, Clara has a ton of resources through again, her website. Uh, This week, the three main pieces that I've shared are around prana flow, developing breath, uh, a crown chakra flow, and her Grace You Move Me, which is the new video that was presented this week. It's for pregnant mamas. I also did it and felt great. It's very fluid. With the I've back. had a couple of people who've been taking that. They're like, the prenatal is great if you just want something a little bit more relaxed. I'm like, okay, good, good, great. I'm in, I'm in. It's I'm not in. a super fiery practice, but it's really, uh, I mean, it's it's your vinyasa style. So even if you're not pregnant, maybe, maybe check it out. Um, so yeah, I guess to kind of cap off what I'm talking about is uh, 
But then, okay, I'm going to flip this again. The difference between the imagined and illusion, right, is there's a line there. And again, perceiving the untruths and the fiction versus uh, what is real, what is actually happening. Well, let, I feel like one of the things I'd love you to do is actually go into the, de what, let's define imagination just so that we're all on the same page. Yeah. Like how would you define it, Steph? So the, ima the imagine, your imagination is created realities. You are literally manifesting a new reality. Um, and if, like I personally, and I've, I've written this in the post, I think this is important to our development as humans because we have the ability to kind of project ourselves into different characters and situations. So, and when you listen to someone's story or read a book, however you're, you know, coming in through that media, the relatability, it's like, oh, this person's gone through this thing. I can relate to that. What was their coping process? This is a way I learn. I find it invaluable. So it's created realities. It doesn't exist. You're literally manifesting a different world. So is it a form of Maya? Yeah, totally. I, I would think that the, there, it's a fine line, but illusion is defined as in the English dictionaries that I, that I looked at. Illusion <laughs> <laughs> is defined as a deception of the senses, whereas the imagination is a created reality. So they're very closely tied, and I think they equally feed each other. Mm -hmm. But... Um, one is intentionally or perhaps not intentionally created where the other is kind of playing on this idea of uh, deceive, which deception, deception, whereas you're not deceiving anybody through the imagined. If it's intentional, there's lots of ways that that can go against what I've just said, but we won't get into that. <laughs> so I feel like what you're saying is that the imagination is kind of the positive bent on illusion because it's yeah. it's we are whoever's either in it creating it for like whoever the artist is do, creating it or if we're reading a book then we know that this is your illusion oh, you yeah have of it. So yeah like, and even like if i'm thinking about something i can start to kind of decipher like is this my own Whenever I'm in an interaction with someone, we all create stories about what's going on. I always yeah. ask, is this an assumption? Is this an expectation? Am I projecting how I feel onto the other person? So there's a level of awareness there that mm -hmm. is not in illusion. That's my take. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to read, I'm going to read Vivekananda's, uh, uh, definition of Maya because I I thought it was an interesting one and it kind of takes in a different direction which I feel like would be interesting would be great right now you find that Maya is not a theory for the explanation of the world it is simply a statement of facts as they exist that the very basis of our being is a contradiction that everywhere we have to move through that everywhere that we have to move through this tremendous contradiction that wherever there is good there must be evil Wherever there's evil, there must be good. Wherever there's life, there must be death. Uh, and death must follow as its shadow. And everyone who smiles will have to weep and vice versa. Nor can the state of things be remedied. We may verily imagine that there will be a place where there will be only good and no evil, where we shall only smile and never weep. This is impossible in the very nature of things. For the conditions will remain the same. 
Wherever there is power of producing a smile, there lurks the power of producing tears. Wherever there is the power of producing happiness, there lurks somewhere in the power of making us miserable. I thought that, right? Yeah. So, so he's such a, he's such a, he was, he was such a beautiful uh, speaker. And I feel like it brings in the poetic. This is why I brought it up. It's very poetic um, the way that he brings it up. And so this idea that we're never going to get away from Maya, right? It's it's an innate part of, of life. And it's essentially an explanation for all parts of the life because like like I, we defined it in the first one in the Vedic Institute, right? It is the beauty of nature and it can also be the downside of human existence. So it, it holds the weight of both. Well, you're, it's dualistic is what you're like listening to. It sounds, it's an expression of dualism in the light and the shadow. You're kind of bringing awareness to both sides, no? It is dualistic, but I, I, what he's saying is it's this and that. Yeah. It can never just be this. It can never just be the beauty of nature. Because with the beauty of nature needs to come the destruction of nature. Yep. And so uh, kind of, I think, to tie it all up is like, even in this time that we are in, where there is a lot of destruction, let's say, like, I feel like Shiva is definitely dancing the Tandava right now in the world, right? Dancing the dance of destruction. There's a lot of uh, fear and ignorance and, and coming in the same breath. And I feel like people have been talking about it is we are being forced into a moment of reflection. Totally. You know, we went for a walk yesterday in, uh, in the park and there were so many people in the park all practicing social distancing, Isn't but, but, but everybody's outside, you know what I yeah. mean? So we're, we're taking this moment to, to reflect. So with, <laughs> with the Tandava, with the dance of destruction, we are also having this dance of grace or this dance of, of time. Yeah. So I think this is a great place to, um, to close. And mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you, Clara, so something that Clara offered uh, all week long to the 300-hour students is a question that we would then sit with for the day or for however long that served. So I'd like to extend to all of our viewers, um, Clara, if you could offer a question that we can we can work with and honor for the rest of our, our day and perhaps the weekend in the sun. <laughs> So the dance, so the dance, we're dancing right now. That's what I ask you. As we are all Shiva right now, we are dancing the dance of the Tandava, and it's known as the Ananda Tandava, which is the blissful dance of destruction, because it's both. And so, what are you dancing with right now? And what is the shadow side that you're dancing with? And then, what is the blissful side that you're dancing with? Because the two are generally together, and we have to remember that they come together. So what am I, what, what in terms of strong emotions are arising right now in me around what is coming up? And then if I sit and reflect on that, right, what is the truth that lies beneath that? I love it. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Steph. And thank you, Clara. Um, we will be back on Monday. And just a little teaser, next week the theme is beauty. Uh, a little bit going into a upspin from uh, this week. 
So we invite you to join the conversation online. We'd love to hear from you. We want this to be a dialogue. So again, visit Clara's page. Everything is really easy to see and get into there. You can either, I'm just going to jump in. You can, you can, um, we have, we created a Facebook group to kind of create a community. So it's called uh, Lila Familia and you can, you can join it. It's on the, and then add in, I'd love to hear what is your Tandava right now? What are you dancing? So feel free to share that on, on the site. And also thank you everybody who's given us love here in the comments. So sweet. It's really nice to see so many beautiful faces and familiar ones I see from all over the world joining us. And so we're so thankful to create community at a distance. Yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Steph, but I just wanted to put that out there to everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, don't be a stranger. We'd love, we'd love to continue this conversation. That said, thank you, everyone. Clara, community, we couldn't do this without, uh, without everyone joining us and showing the love. Love it. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Bye.